An award-winning family-owned business with exceptional diamonds, engagement rings, jewelry, and timepieces, Continental Diamond is the jeweler Minnesota adores. In St. Louis Park or online at ContinentalDiamond.com. Hey everybody, it's the final regular season episode of The Tailgate. Does that mean we're going to do a playoff edition? I guess we will have to see. Zach Martinez is back. He celebrates the Lions division title. We talk about all of the Lions potential scenarios, the Vikings potential playoff scenarios, their potential draft pick scenarios. Uh, we get into the whole thing. It's a really, really fun episode. I think you guys are going to love it. And uh, if you do love it, leave us a comment. Say, hey, we loved it. Uh, you know, rate, subscribe, do all the things you do that make podcasts work. On, on a personal note here, guys, Thank you so much for being a part of this show. This is our second year. I am so grateful for how many of you have tuned in and stayed tuned in. Uh, when we thought of this idea, uh, we never dreamed that this many of you would like it and keep liking it. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys tuning in every week. And we're going to keep trying to give you uh, great shows in order to pay back that fanship. Uh, enjoy this episode and enjoy the final week of the season. I know what time it is. Hey, we gotta go, man. We gotta go. Let's go. Showtime. Touchdown. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the regular season finale edition of The Tailgate. And it is a celebratory edition for our guest, not for us, but we're. We're going to let the man have it. We're going to let him we're going to let him take his laps. He deserves it. We care about him despite the disappointment and anger we feel inside of us. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me, friend of the program, returning 2 weeks later with a division title in hand, Detroit Lions fan Zach Martina. Yes, I'm back and I would just like to say up top, I love how you Gave me the give the Lions the nod while also expressing your uh, your dismay for the the, the Viking situation. Um, I gotta say, no one in Green Bay would do that, and that's just that's just Minnesota class right there. That's just that's just what you guys are all about. Well, when you're raised indoors and you go to school with people who aren't every other grade at the same time in a barn, you learn <laughs> all these nuances of human interaction that uh, the adults in our society believed to be appropriate. And so that's what I try to do. I try to, you know, in Wisconsin, like football mad rage, like that's, <laughs> that's the path. I'm more football mad rage respond appropriate. And then I, you know, so it's a little different. They're just two different paths, you know. For me, it's always been uh, football mad rage followed by we'll get them next year. And this is, it just still doesn't, it still doesn't feel real, man. When, as soon as we, uh, we took that game, my, my wife and my kids are like, I, can you believe this? I go, I mean, I can believe it, but it just, it doesn't feel, I feel like I'm going to wake up. It felt like I was living in anything but reality. I don't want to ping any of your football trauma here, <laughs> but it's, it's buried deep down, buddy. <laughs> so in, was it 91 that you guys won the division, won 11 games, or was it 12? 91, we won um, our last playoff game. 93 is the last time we won the division. 93 is the last time you won the division. Well, so 91 was the playoff game. You, you get a first round bye, you win a playoff game. You get smoked by the Washington football team in the NFC Championship. Yep. And, and then 
you win the division in 93 and then it just goes away. Like there was, everything was trending. You have Herman Moore, you know, Fonts is beloved there for a little bit. You have the Barry and then it all like, is there any, do you have any of that football trauma? Whereas you look around and join this moment that you worry that you've kind of just like that year been building up to this year and who knows? Like, are, are, is, are you now, do you now believe you're entering into the golden era of Lions football? Or do you still feel like at any given point in time, Lucy could pull the football out when you go to kick? Well, you saw as you were asking that question, I had a blank stare come over my face. And that is because I never once considered that it could, <laughs> it could go away. <laughs> I was just so happy at the idea that we just had the one. And I was like, we're going to have it. We're going to do it for a little bit. We're going to be here for a little while. And then you're like, oh, there's no, the league of the NFL is there's no more parity. So it could be first to worst. It could be worst to first. And I never thought about that. And uh, happy new year to you, too. There's that's the difference in our fan bases where you have had no access to any joy and Viking fans have lived through a long pattern of near access to joy with it only to be yanked out in a disgusting and horrible way at the last moment. I mean, you guys have overcome so much this year, though, too. Like, I well, I, I just mean historically. I mean, like you guys went through those 30 years of like, it's never going to happen. And every seven or eight or 12 years, we're like, it's time. Yeah. And then in the like the Gary Anderson miss, the Brett Favre interception, the Blair <laughs> Walsh miss, you know, and, and you get the after the Minneapolis miracle, you're like, here we go. And then, you know, you have what happened in Philadelphia. So it's there's uh that's that's why I looked at it the way I looked at it because I was like joy is fleeting and it can be a practical joke but we've just I mean in my lifetime we've never had joy so it is always been just out of reach and to finally get your hands around it I feel like we're gonna strangle the bird you know we're just so happy to have we're gonna have mice and men this bird man we have we're so happy to have this you're victory. gonna lenny the bird <laughs> yeah. you got the bird in hand and you're gonna lenny it I don't want to send you into a rage here, but I'd like to talk about, because I want to talk about playoff scenarios. I want to talk about the Vikings' crazy path, and I want to talk about their path to a draft pick. But I think this whole conversation starts with what happened last Saturday night. And take a deep breath, but I'd like you to, after winning the division, there's this opportunity to elevate yourself in the seating to such an advantageous place against a very good football team and to have Jared Goff drive down the field the way he did, to have them go for two in quintessential Big Dan Campbell fashion, mm -hmm. to throw it to a lineman on the most important play of the year. Like when you, when you start the beginning of the season and you're like, all right, boys, at some point this season, we're going to have one play that means everything. <laughs> like it's a Disney movie, but you guys yeah. actually had that. And you threw it to an offensive lineman. And then to have that evaporate due to the penalty. And then afterwards, to have this huge controversy unfold and the video come out of Decker leaving the hut. Like, what was the emotional journey of last Saturday like for you? Well, I will point back, like, as far as us throwing to an offensive lineman, it didn't surprise me terribly, because if you recall, last year when we played the Vikings, I said Dan Campbell's hyping us up as the Super Bowl, and we had that uh, 
it was a third or a fourth, but we threw to Panay Sewell mm-hmm. and everybody lost their mind. So I, w- I honestly, when they threw it, all I saw was the second eight. And I thought we threw it to Sewell again until all of a sudden the flag came in. I was like, wait, what happened? 68, 70, none of them were even involved. Get the replay. Okay, Taylor Decker's got the ball. I, as, here, here are my emotions. Um, that last drive was incredible. It should not have taken us the entire game to get the offense going like that. That's the only time that we got the ball moving. I had you won that game. And in that moment, when he catches the touchdown before the flag is thrown, where does that drive rank all time? I mean, that's got to be one of the 10, five most important drives in Detroit Lions modern football history. I mean, when it, just off the top of my head, it comes down to that Matthew Stafford uh, Cleveland Browns drive where he had like broken his collarbone and still drove us down. Then there was the fake spike, which was also, I believe, against Dallas. Both of those drives immediately come to mind. But I think it's I think that drive alone and it hasn't, but it should have silenced the haters on what Jared Goff is capable of doing. I mean, when we traded for him, everyone's like, he's a game manager who can throw a little bit further. But the dude's just been tough. He's come in and won games for us. I mean, I th- that's, as far as I'm concerned, his best drive as an off- uh, as a Lion. And up there, probably in his career, from the Rams. Oh, for sure. Okay, so you first you're wondering what's going on, and then... And then I realize I don't care whose number blank dash eight caught the ball. We, oh my God, we got it. We got, I'm freaking out. My dog thinks it's the 4th of July and fireworks are going off. He's, he's, he can't handle it. I'm so happy. My wife and I are hugging like she just said yes and I got engaged. We are both ecstatic, right? And then all of a sudden, over my shoulder, she's looking over my shoulder at the screen as I'm holding her in a brace I haven't held in, in since we, before we were married, which was t- 10 years ago, nine years ago. And she goes, There's a flag. And I go, Stop it. This isn't funny. Don't play with me like that because I will, we will, we will go to, we will go to counseling. Like this is what's going to end up. I'm too, I can't, I can't. And then I look around and she's just pointing and like, I I see flag and I go, well, what could it be? I don't understand what it could be. And then they said illegal touching, which was so reminiscent of that Kansas city offensive offside. It's just a penalty you don't hear very often. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't. I, I know football. I know the penalties. I don't understand this. I'm looking at the replay. I'm like, well, there are no, he's, he's not being covered. He's on the line of scrimmage. And then they go into this whole thing about, he didn't call himself um, eligible. So I was like, okay, I, maybe he didn't, whatever. And then um, I look over and I mean, he's, you, you can hear Goff in the, uh, in the uh, huddle saying, Hey, Deck, go go report. You see him over there. I understand Panay Sewell was over there. I understand Dan Skipper was over there. But I also, if you look at it, it's it's a bummer. And it, it was hard as soon as I realized what the call was. Yeah, I hit my knees and I cried like uh like someone who saw the Virgin Mary in a urine stain on their bathroom wall. Yeah, I wept. It was I openly and I'm not ashamed to admit it, okay? Uh, because I thought we were gonna get the one C. We could I mean Philadelphia lost last week. We had a shot at the one seed, uh, but what it comes down to is, yeah, I, we've been we've been burned before in situations like that, and this one hurt very, very much. But like I said, the fourth down drive, we it, that's how long it took for us to get the offense going. The entire game, we could not move the ball. And I mean, you got to take you can you can point fingers, but you got to take your blame on it. And I guess I, I, I didn't even realize until afterwards that you know I I knew what you guys were playing for. I knew you were playing for seeding. I knew you know, where Dallas figured in. But I didn't realize if 
you know, everything plays out the same, but you guys get that call. You beat Dallas. You have the head-to-head there. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia loses against the Cardinals. It's very reasonable to think that San Francisco and Dallas are both playing for the money, mm-hmm. and you beat the Vikings, and you are the number one seed in the playoffs. You are one game away from an NFC championship. You have, I mean, the change from two bye weeks to one bye week has made that bye week for the one seed so paramount to mm-hmm. potential Super Bowl success. So it, I didn't even realize that it was that crucial potentially. And yeah, I, I, Jay and I, producer Jay and I were texting and we wept a little bit for you. We, we thought that would be a hard thing. <laughs> Let me shift it this direction then, because let's live in reality. It looks like, and we'll get into the Vikings scenarios, but it looks as though Los Angeles Rams, Green Bay Packers, those appear to be your two potential playoff suitors. And then the third would be Seattle. Yes. Uh, The least likely Seattle. So I... I think if you want to pick a team, you pick Seattle. That's who you want to play out of those three. You, I know you've had a tough time with them over the Ooh, years, man. But I, the way the Rams are playing right now, I know, and and the way Jordan Love is playing, and how that game went on Thanksgiving. If you have to pick between those two teams, who are you? Who are you leaning towards? I mean, it's hard to beat anyone three times in a season, and we've only beaten the Packers once. Um, I would, both storylines are incredible, and I would be thrilled to watch either one of those games. I would love to beat, you know, last last year, the last game of the season for us was the uh, Packers. We knocked them out of the playoffs. Then all of a sudden, the last game against the Packers this year would be a playoff game. They're trying to do what we did to them last year. We're trying to reign supreme in the north if you will and like show that we're here we're here to stay that would that 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 line's great i love that line but i mean the romanticism of the rams coming to detroit with matthew stafford at the helm i mean detroit fans detroit fans will never have rooted that hard against matthew stafford i mean he's still for lack of a better phrase detroit's favorite son i mean he is the he's the one of the goats as far as quarterback play goes. So to have him come here and just to be able to hope, I mean, you, you, you want to win. I think we're more suited to, to cover, don't get me wrong, Puka Nakua, Cooper cup. They're incredible receivers, but they're not the, uh, Justin Jefferson, Christian Watson, like deep threat guys that are going to get behind you necessarily. Sure. Um, so I would, I mean, ultimately I think I would, in my heart, I would I would rather see the Rams because that is just it's just a fairy tale. It's interesting to listen to how you approach that because I think so many Viking fans, so many of us, we approach uh, storylines with such fear. Like, what happens if we have to play the Packers? And <laughs> I like that mentality of no, that's what I want. I mean, there was nothing better uh, aside from probably winning a Super Bowl. But the year we went into Lambeau. As like a, a, you know, a barely snuck in wild card team, yeah. put a bunch of touchdowns on Brett Favre and the Packers, Moss mooned the crowd and we danced out of that stadium. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I, here's the thing. I, you can't win a title unless you're good enough to beat most teams. Sure. Now, matchups are important. You know, getting the right team on the right day is important and, and wins are all that mess. So however you get the win, you get the win. And the the easiest path is the best. That's why you care about the one seed. That's why you want to play the lowest seed. Yeah. But I think if you're a team like the Lions 
you know, if you're a team like the Vikings have been at times, like you're not looked at as the San Francisco 49ers, the Baltimore Ravens, these teams, you're going to have to get them eventually. Yeah. You're going to have to. So I'm not going to shy away from teams in that people believe are in my range. I want to play the Packers. Sure. I want to put them down. I want to put Matthew Stafford down yeah. in front of the home crowd. So I, I really, really, really like that mentality. You know, when you were raised in the Midwest and you go to school with people in, you know, all all different grades in a barn and everything, you did, this is just what adults teach you that you want to that you want to think like. So and then in and then in Green Bay, they're like football bad. We already go over this. I don't know. Let's yeah. Yeah. Football, football, winter. Gah. And so <laughs> where's my cheese? <laughs> Look at my hat. Aren't I clever? So. <laughs> Uh, it was hard for as a Viking fan last week. Like you can only do so much. This is one of those seasons we we see teams have these seasons all the time. You're on your fourth quarterback. Yeah. You know your your best player was injured most of the season. Now T.J. Hawkinson's hurt. D.J. Wanham's hurt. You, you can only do so much. Sure. Right. I mean, and you're not even talking about your running game. I mean, everybody coming in. I thought yeah. Alexander. I thought Alexander Madison was going to be the guy. I be, I believed in him after uh, the Dalvin Cook because, in for fantasy purposes, he bailed me out of a couple jams last year when Dalvin Cook went down. But then when you got Cam Akers and all of a sudden Kevin O'Connell figured out seemed to how to unlock He's him, cooking I was like, a little bit. He was going to be the guy, and I was like, okay, this is fine. Then Chandler has been, and then Chandler's been doing like you guys have had to. And what's crazy to me about the Viking seasons this year and last year is the number of one possession games that you guys, I mean, you hang with everybody. Yeah. You're very rarely getting blown out. Yeah. It's really cool for the stress level in our state. Uh, <laughs> I, I think to that point that like there's, there's only so much you can do. Sure. You just get to this point where you, it's almost unreasonable and I'm super competitive, but it's almost unreasonable to expect this team to go out and and achieve at the highest level with so much adversity. Now, yeah. the good thing about the team and, you know, professional athletes is that's not their mindset. Uh, but that game against the Packers was tough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's New Year's Eve. Yeah. It's a fun night. And you get it put on you, not just in a way that sucks, but you've got Jordan legs, scissor kicking 50 yard touchdowns. Yeah down the field for a moment the lions are surging the bears have the number one pick and another crazy pick and are somehow winning games down the stretch jordan love is dance passing balls all over the field and yeah. looking like they have like dude i saw some number i don't know that this is exactly right but something like 29 touchdowns by first and second year players yeah their receiving core is so young and like talented. And so I just need you to smack them. I think we're about to enter a world that you're very familiar with because I, I don't think we're trailing behind all these other teams with potential and ability and stuff. I just think we lead the league. Uh, we lead the division in mystery right now. Sure. We, you know, this is going to be the third year of the O'Connell and Quasi thing. Normally things start to crystallize around that point. And I think some things will, but you've dealt with so many issues like injury wise, sure. you've dealt with such a weird couple years, the close game, like it's hot with cousins, not knowing what's going to happen here. It's we're about to have what I believe to be an incredibly, if you like 
the drama of off-season football. If you like rumors. <laughs> That's the Lions home field right there. That's right. And there, there's some old dads out there who's like, I don't need any of this off-season rumor shit. Just snap the ball and hand it to a ref. And those of us youngins, we're like, no, 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 daddy. Give me all the rumors. Give me any kind of hope you can. I want to know the seven quarterbacks that might wind up on my team, <laughs> knowing full well that all seven of them have no choice. Like, so it's going to be, we're kind of freaky Friday right now, Zach. Yeah. You're rolling into the playoffs, you know, with a whole bunch of maybe hope. And we're rolling into the offseason about to be like, this is our time of year. Let's do it. I Hold on. I'm I'm gonna get in so much trouble if I don't because we will go over this. The Vikings can still make the playoffs. Yes, they can. Like the and and somebody will yell at me, and we we are gonna talk about the scenario. But regardless of whether or not they win, regardless if they make in this this mysterious off season scenario, it's a common. And um, I gotta say. I, you can't change your past, I guess. I'm thrilled that I've come up the way that I had because I love the offseason. I get so amped from the draft. I remember a couple years ago, we were talking. I was on stage when we drafted Penny Sewell, and I think I was at uh, Go Banana. No, no, I was at a Funny Bun or Go Bananas, and like I had my phone on stage with me. The draft pick came in, and I just ranted about that for five minutes. It was a tough hole to dig out of, but uh, I was excited, <laughs> and it was all that mattered. Um, as far as the rumors go, I love the the idea that the the old and the old timers are like, no, I don't care about this shit. And it's like yeah, you're reading these on. rumor articles just to look to see if your your team's name is on there as a destination. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just full of full of hope. And I hope uh, I hope it I hope it yields optimism for you because it always has for me to a fault. I really, really enjoy it. I'd like to win, have good years, and also be a part of that. Yeah. But I really, really enjoy it. So the Vikings playoff scenario, it looks alike of this. If the Vikings win, the Packers need to lose, the Seahawks need to lose, and either either the Bucks or the Saints need to lose. And I, you know, the way people are talking about this. They're speaking about it as though it is, you know, needle in a haystack, win the lottery type of situation. Yeah. And I mean, the Saints play the Falcons. The Falcons, they're going to come to play. The Bucks are going to beat the Panthers. Otherwise, they should get yeah. kicked out of the league, yeah. you know, with their spot in the playoffs on the line. I, I, would, I would say last week I would have said the Seahawks are a no-brainer. To run past the Cardinals? Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, was that what's going on in Philadelphia plus a former coordinator coming in there? Who knows? I think a lot of it has to do with that famous coordinator thing, I th or the uh, the previous coordinator. I think I think there's something to be said for playing against your old team, and like if your team respects you, they will rally around you. Uh, I mean, one of the few wins Matt Patricia got was over the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. Uh Dan Campbell put his uh, put his stamp on the the, the Sean Payton game uh, in in Denver. I think that has a lot to do with Philly's loss to Arizona, and I think Seattle. I mean, this is the position they're always in, and it didn't work out for them last year. Those are all pretty even matchups. That's the thing. And with the Packers, except I, the Bucks, the Packers are nearly a century deep of shit talking Bears fans, and. <laughs> 
you know, that's fun to watch from the outside. It's like when you're a kid and you're in the van with your siblings and yeah. they're going at each other and you know they're both going to get in trouble. And it's fun because what they're saying to each other, you're like, nah, that was a good one. Yeah. But you're not, you don't have to deal with any of the interactions. You just get to watch. So I love, as much as I don't like the Packers, I love watching them hold court over the Bears. But I think they've done it so long and I think the Bears just quietly... I think there's a lot of last year's Lions approach in this year's Bears team where they're like, hey, man, keep talking shit. You think you and your young quarterback are going to go into the playoffs? We're about to ruin some stuff. Think about what's on the line, too, for not only the Bears, but for Justin Fields. Like, Justin Fields is playing for his job this week. Or auditioning for a position anywhere in the league. This is everything. Yeah. So I don't think... I don't know. I don't think that the uh, I think I think the Bears could definitely beat the Packers. And think about how, you know, normally a team in the Bears situation, you know, do you rest guys? Are you incentivized to move up the draft board? What does it look like? But you already have secured, guaranteed the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. And so this other like you have this just almost free pass to go out there and give it everything you have to ruin a season and not think about anything offseason related. I, I I really do think there's a chance I think it's not unreasonable that all these teams come together the way they do. I think the cog in the wheel for the Vikings is they haven't been necessarily playing great football, and that means we have to beat your Lions. And old boy Danny C., from what I've seen most recently in Zach, we like, you know how if you have a pit bull? Yep. And you're like, I love this pit bull, man. He's amazing, and he does a lot of amazing things. Every once in a while, you're like out at a park and there's other people and dogs there and you're like, oh shit, is he going to do some pit bull stuff? That's Dan Campbell. <laughs> yep. He's going to play the starters in week 17. It's an interesting call, man. It's a very, very interesting call. Now, is he might just be posturing. I think he's going to treat this like a preseason game. Okay. I think he's going to get the starters some reps early in the game, see how it's going. I mean, because we don't stand... All we stand to do is move up to the two seed if Dallas loses. So it doesn't I don't I think Dan Campbell is very, very aggressive, but I don't I don't think he's willing to be aggressive to sacrifice the future, which is the first playoff win that we would have had in since 91. Like I when he when he came here, he's like, this is the job I want. This city needs it like he seems to be plugged into what the Lions fan base and organization are so desperately in need of. So my forecast is he the starters are going to play and the starters are especially on offense hot. But um, I don't I don't know that they play the whole game. That's I mean, I'm hoping for your sake, not just for the fact that I want the Vikings to win is that, you know, you guys get in, you get out, you get clean. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe we get a win, and uh, <laughs> and you get into the playoffs just fine. The other thing that's really interesting for the Vikings is the opposite, and that's what people are having to decide right now. There's different types of fans. There's the win at all costs. Like I remember, I have a we have a mutual friend, Mike Brody. Yes, very talented stand-up comedian, lover of the NBA. Uh, I die-hard Minnesota Timberwolves fan. I remember that. And the year that we drafted Carl Anthony Towns with the number one pick, going down the stretch, he and myself and some of our friends were having this argument about not winning basketball because the NBA is a different beast. Sure. And he was like, you got to win. I want to be happy. I was like, Mike, as much as I care about 
your personal happiness connected <laughs> to been eliminated from the playoffs 30 games ago, NBA season, like they could have wound up without Carl Anthony Towns. So I think fan bases find themselves strewn about the spectrum of how they feel in these last moments, because the other side of this is what we need to do to get in the playoffs is if the, if the bears beat the Packers, if Vegas wins, if the Jets wins, like the Vikings could move all the way up. They're not going to get any worse. I don't think than about the 12 seed. You know, actually, they could move to the 13 because of the New Orleans tiebreaker, but they could go all the way up to the eighth seed, which would be the highest they've drafted since since they took Anthony Barr at number nine. Yeah. And the difference between eight, nine and 12, 13 is a lot. So I think you're going to see a lot of fans split all over about how they feel about what happens in this Vikings Lions game. I... I'll tell you what, as as a as a fan of a team that perennially drafts in the top twelve, um, you're gonna get a a good player, and it gets to the point where you're almost spoiled because you you feel so strongly that you need such a position, and then the team goes another way, and you have to convince yourself, okay, this is this is it's gonna work. Like to draft that high is a different kind of stress because there is so much on the table. Especially when you're talking about uh, what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. Is is one of the top receivers going to fall to us because the offensive lineman, is, it's a deep class and they're going to go early. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if we took another wide receiver and paired him with Jordan Addison and oh Justin Jefferson? Oh my gosh, Jefferson? it would be insane. What? I mean, think about it. It would be insane. You'd have to, I mean, the slot, you'd have to, I think it would be more of a across the middle kind of guy because Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson can both stretch the field so well, but. You said something earlier in the show that I think is pretty relevant to this conversation. It's that the, you know, the NFL, you know, you're coasting right now. You're in this great moment. But two years from now, like that's what the league is. Two years from now, you could be first to worst, worst to first. That's what we're talking about here. And part of the reason for that is if you can have a successful draft, if you have a couple bad drafts, it puts you in a really bad situation. I think, you know, the Vikings, yeah. <laughs> the Vikings, the, the NFL draft is such a crapshoot. And I, the way that we talk about people being experts or being good at it, it's it's pretty silly, in my opinion. I, I just think it's a very hard job and very yeah. hard. Like, I don't envy anyone who makes those decisions. Sure. But you look at the Dallas Cowboys hitting Micah Parsons, C.D. Lamb, and Trayvon Diggs, having all those guys on rookie deals yeah. while you're paying that's out other say. big off. So that's the thing. So like everybody's talking about, that's what I mean about mystery with this Vikings team. You know, do you tear it down? Do you rebuild? Is it a competitive rebuild? All these terms that get thrown around. <laughs> I've never heard competitive rebuilds. <laughs> oh, the Pistons, I'm sorry. The Pistons call it a, rest- a restoration. They call it a restore, which they're, Come on, stop it. Uh, first of all, I want to say something mean. You can. But it's your moment. It's your moment. I think in order to have heard the term competitive rebuild, you would have need to have been at a level of competition <laughs> and had mean. a desire to rebuild. <laughs> I can handle the truth. I know honesty is the want, best policy. <laughs> I just want you to have your moment. I just want, I don't, I don't want to come in and go, Santa's not real. Uh, and so, but I think, you know, to to do something like that, which has been a term that we've heard a lot around here from people, you know, in the the media uses that term and fans use that term. If all of a sudden you go in, let's say you draft nine or twelve, if you hit a Micah Parsons, 
and then you hit another guy in the second or third round. You hit two dudes on rookie deals, and you have Addison, who I believe Addison is about to be. I don't think I anybody. I don't think they know what's coming. This guy's yeah, going to be top twenty, maybe top ten in this league. You got those three guys on rookie deals for three years. The option, like, ooh. So one thing, the thing you're not even considering too is like in the draft when. It starts like Micah Parsons or Penny Sewell they, when they fell to us because the draft board just happened to shake out the way that nobody thought it would. The excitement that you feel with each passing pick where it's like Penny's still there. Micah's still there. Like I can't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. We got him. I can't. It, the the anticipation that builds at a position, particularly like in the eight to ten range. And then you get someone that you just didn't think is going to be there. Whew, that's sweet. It's real, real sweet. It's and I think it's. That's what makes this whole mystery of the offseason so much more interesting because we can pretend and guess, but that that's what's going to dictate it. How you, if you hit a couple home runs, that's what changes absolutely everything. I mean, you guys are dealing with it right now. We love TJ yep. Hawkinson, but you moved off of TJ Hawkinson, got Sam Laporta, and now have him the next four years on a a not even a first round deal second round deal you, you got that that is something where you go oh man we just gave ourselves such a team building advantage and and that'll be what's what's really interesting when it, don't even just stop i mean in that moment for the lions too like we have speaking of the first round deals and hitting on things we have jameer gibbs on a first mm -hmm. round deal along with jack campbell who you know, we have the fifth year option on both of those. And then you have Brian Branch and uh and uh Sam Sam Laporta in in the second round. Like we hit on those first four picks. It's bananas, man. And that's why I try to remind people when they're talking to me about how this year went or what's the plan or stuff like that. I go, it all comes you hit, have a good year in the draft. And all of a sudden, everything you hated, you love. Yeah. You have a bad year in the draft. Everything you love, now you hate. You know, you you the Cowboys are that great example. You can pay Dak what you need to pay Dak when you got three killers earned, like crushing on low deals. So everything you do is going to be influenced by whether or not you can put together a couple good drafts. And I think that'll be the fun thing. But let's let's get out of here. Let's focus on this week. Okay. It's not the everything on the line game that I wanted it to be. The NFL is always growing and I think they're really, really bright. How they're approaching the the you know, NFL Europe this time around is like incredibly bright. Sure. You know, expanding games, you know, the Thursdays, the Saturdays, like the Nickelodeon. Yeah. The, dude, love the Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how much when I was a kid I would have been all oh. in? Dude, on the Nickelodeon games as an adult, them playing in Andy's bedroom still got me excited. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tune in for a second. I gotta see what's going on here. Touchdowns and Gak, let's go. <laughs> so I have this pitch. The NFL waits to release their schedule for the final day until you know they, it all gets changed, right? Like last week, we find out who's gonna play on Sunday sure. Night Football. You guys were victims of that last year. I think we should deviate away from the traditional you know central time noon three seven and we should have staggered starts all day long based purely on competitive scenarios and you know first game starts at 10 a.m 
It's like an AAU tournament. We got another yeah. one starting at, it's March Madness. Yeah. March Madness. I want to track, like, stagger all these games to create the most drama throughout the day and create March Madness on a Sunday. So as things are falling apart, like every team that's alive feels alive. And yeah. I'm not smart enough to know exactly how to pull that schedule off, but you've got to create a, a sweepstakes madness insanity down the stretch. That That's what I want. That, like knowing what's on the line for everybody, yeah. I would love to see it built. And every year somebody's going to get the screw job because you're like, well, you built it sure. for them. And I, but that's, and the NFL, your bye week is at a different time. You're whatever, whatever. Yeah. But I want to see the staggered starts. No game starts at the same time on the last Sunday of the year. I like, yeah, I think that's a good, except for the games where there are no playoff implications, you know, because you've got, you've got teams like Carolina that could play, you know, this year would have been New Orleans. Like neither of them are going to make it. Let's put them. No, no, with... no. Carolina's got the Bucks. Carolina's got the Bucks. No, no, year. I know. I know. I'm just saying hypothetically with the same, oh, they're in yes. the same division, it could end with them playing each other. Uh, I love that. I love that. I don't need, not even just for the last week. I love it for December. Um, oh yeah. What if you just <laughs> adopted that now? See, that's what I'm talking about. What if you just adopted that all the way down the field? Let me, let's see how many games, cause you've got seating, you've got everything. How many games would you guess? Let's close on this. How many games would you guess this week have some sort of playoff scenario or playoff implications? Uh, the only people that would know that answer, I feel like, are, are political analysts on CNN calling for projected wins in the blue and red states. That math, I can't even understand that math. So Steelers-Ravens on Saturday, playoff implications yeah. for the Steelers. Yeah. Texans-Colts, both 9-7. and seven. Do you think the Ravens will play all their players? I don't know. That's a tough Why one. Why would they? I mean, it's a long break. I get that. It's I get the a long rust aspect break. of it, but yeah, that'll uh, be so a good game. Texans, Colts, both nine and seven. That's huge playoff implications, pending what happens with the Jags and Titans. Also playoff implications. Browns at 11 and five. So that's the one, nothing really going on there. The Browns are locked into their seed. The Bengals are eight and eight. So, so far, Vikings, Lions, technically playoff implications. Mm -hmm. So you're talking, so far we have four of five. You got Jets and Patriots. Who cares? Four of six. Nothing. Falcons and Saints. You get that one. Playoff implications. Five of seven. Bucks and Pats. Six of eight. Bears and Packers. Seven of nine. Broncos and Raiders. I think that one's dead. Yeah. Seven of ten. Giants and Eagles. I think, you know, the Eagles are playing for something. Um, eight and 11. Seahawks. They have it. Chiefs, Chargers. I don't think there's much there. Rams, Niners. Cowboys commanders playing for it and Bills Dolphins I mean it's virtually every single game some of yeah. them less than others and you could but I mean these these like the AFC South with those three teams yep. uh, the NFC South with those teams you could really build some drama throughout the day by starting them at like NCAA March Madness start times I do I mean I do love that I don't think for for as talented as as he is at his job, I don't think Scott Hansen can handle it on NFL Red Zone. I mean, that's that's just too much. <laughs> you just tune in every Sunday, and he's just passed out on his desk. <laughs> he's just mumbling random numbers with dead eyes. <laughs> Zach, uh, we love you, buddy. Thank you. We're very we're very begrudgingly happy for you. And I got to tell you, we'll talk about this next year. I've started watching the Barry Sanders documentary. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize 
how unwilling he spent his entire, like how unwilling he was to discuss his retirement and tell them yep. that documentary. Oh, that's, that's a Jimmy Hoffa level mystery in Detroit. It was. And still, I think kind of is. I would have loved to speak about that. Um, we will speak about that at some time. But watching that, the first half of that documentary and seeing. So when they when you guys made the playoffs that first year and had that home playoff game with mm -hmm. Wayne Fonts and just like seeing your team. My, maybe my favorite part of the documentary is when. Barry Sanders signed his deal, I think, the lat, like right before the season started. And so he wasn't really entrenched in the offense. He didn't know anything. And so Fonts wasn't going to play him in the first game of his career. And he goes out there and like everybody's chanting his name the whole game. That's yep. how bad the Lions have been. They're like, put the guy in who doesn't know the plays. They're chanting his name. Like Fonts in a press conference was like, everything's going to be all right. We got Barry. And so <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen it, it gets to the fourth quarter and Fonts is like, ah, f it. Let's Barry. He literally asked him, do you want to go in? And Barry's like, I do. And so they showed him a couple plays on the sideline. He comes in and his first run, I think, 19 yards. Yeah, best, dude. best play of the game. And then he scores a touchdown. And the way that stadium it was like 40,000 people, like 30,000 open seats. But the way that stadium erupted, I had this. It's like when you see a dog at a dog shelter who's getting adopted. Yeah. Like I, I had it allowed me to connect to you and your fan base where I'm all in on the Browns in the AFC. Sure. I think that's the most fun story in the NFL. I'm all in on the Lions. Browns Lions Super Bowl is the dream for me. Yeah. Give that to me. Give it to me all day long. Yeah, I'm taking uh, just on the Barry Sanders aspect before uh, we go. Just I encourage anyone who has or has not seen his highlights, just go watch his highlights. They are so friggin' exciting. I mean, he lost more yards than most running backs get in their career. Like he was so good. And then as far as uh fairy tale Super Bowl matchups, yes, would love to see Cleveland uh and Detroit and then in the NFC Championship, I would love for us to take down the uh 49ers. Before that, I would love to take down the Cowboys and before that, you know, the Rams or the Packers. Those are all those are all such romantic stories and if this is if there was ever a fairy tale season, that's how it would shake out. That's the way you do it. You beat the teams that, like I've always said, for the Vikings to have, like if they could beat the, you beat the Packers in round one, and the Vikings have a few to choose from, but you exercise the Hail Mary BS and you beat the Cowboys in round two, and then you maybe beat the Saints or the Eagles in round yeah. three, and then you go to the Super Bowl and you get to knock off the Chiefs or the Raiders you know, so, you know, somebody from your Super Bowl loss history. Yeah. I think your mindset is right. What's uh, what do you got for a score this weekend? 28, 20 Lions. Even with Dan Campbell resting 28, 20 Lions. I think I don't know. Wait, let me what guess, you guys let me guess for you. I can I'm, I'm feeling I can see it in your eyes. Uh, 752 to three. Don't Zach. This is a I take this show very seriously. <laughs> So I know that you're riding high on your division <laughs> title, but if you could keep your nonsense bullshit bits off my program, that'd be great. 
I think if Dan Campbell is going to rest people, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be hard to put points on the board. So I think it's about Lions 13, Vikings 138. Zach, I love you. <laughs> you do, buddy. I care about you deeply, <laughs> and I hope you enjoy whatever happens in the playoffs. Oh, yes. Me too. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Thanks again to our good friend Zach Martina for joining the show tonight, and thank you to our sponsor, Continental Diamond. Be sure to like, subscribe, and download the podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. We will see you all again next week. Join PA at the Egan Buffalo Wild Wings this Friday from 9 to noon for Friday Football Feast. Presented by Coors Light. Enjoy food and drink specials and a chance to win Viking tickets and more. Visit vikings.com slash bww for full schedule and details.